Hey, this is Louisiana Sister Squad podcast, where we bring you real information to enhance your truther lifestyle. I'm Katie. And I'm Tammy. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. Hi, and welcome to Louisiana Sister Squad podcast. I'm Katie Truther, and today I'll be speaking with Kevin Tony. We are going to learn a little bit more about Kevin. He does have a podcast that he's going to tell us all about. And we're also going to be talking about the feminist movement and the effect that it has on our culture and our society today. Now, typically we talk about holistic wellness and truth or lifestyle. So incorporated with the facts of feminism and facts about why it's important to be feminine or masculine energy and not have this interchangeable idea is uh, it does actually tie back to holistic wellness when we're listening to nature, when we're talking about living in a natural rhythm, the obvious outcome and conclusion to that is you're going to go back to your natural instinct and it'll kind of unravel that ball of yarn that society has just kind of convoluted and propaganda has convoluted our idea of the role of women and the role of men. So I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation today. Thank you so much for being here, Kevin. Welcome to the show. Hey, Katie, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, again, my name is Kevin Tony, and I host a podcast right now called The Uncommon Sense Podcast. And I do episodes that come out um, once a week, every Wednesday, the same, I think the same day yours comes out as well on Wednesday. So shout out to midweek podcast information that comes out. I actually got into podcasting. This is my second year doing it. But like I said, I think it's more like the first because this is the first time I'm really leaning into it within the last six to eight months. And I normally just get on and vent about topics that are annoying me, to be honest. Um, you know, whether it's something politically, whether it's something socially, you know, pop culture, entertainment, you know, these are these are all topics that are near and dear to my heart from my perspective. And I was listening to another content creator on YouTube and he said something several years ago that I thought was very key, which kind of pushed me into podcasting. And he said, anybody that's 40 and over should probably do a podcast because you've lived and had some experiences and you can likely help somebody, you know, navigate a certain path through life just by sharing your experience. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm 43 and I've had some really cool experiences. I've had some scary experiences and some crazy ones. So I feel like I should, should talk about them, but I do everything on my podcast, whether it's politically, you know, driven or socially driven, everything is grounded through the lens of a biblical worldview. And so that is really what what drives me. I've done series on my podcast where I talk about kids, where I've done a Father's Day series to celebrate dads, you know, those type of things. So it's a, a wide range of topics. Yeah, definitely. And if you're hearing Kevin for the first time, I definitely encourage you to check out his show, The Uncommon Sense Podcast. I just want to open it up to you and have you explain your view of feminist from a male perspective or the not feminist per se personally, but the feminist movement from a male perspective. Let me approach it from from this perspective, just, you know, to give my thoughts and feelings on it. I think it is one of the biggest scams that has been pulled over on women in general that we've seen. Uh, in a lifetime. And I say that because it seems to be an idea, especially as of late, that it's starting to turn on itself. If you look at the foundations of what feminism was about, you know, when I was a kid growing up, there was the I am woman, hear me roar, you know, type of persona that we want to create strong women. And it's nothing wrong with that. We, everybody wants to see a strong woman. Nobody's against that. I've seen it transform, you know, as of the last decade or so to this move from not just to be a strong woman, but the the advent of the independent woman's mindset to, you know, to kind of come in and say, well, not only am I a strong woman, but I don't need anybody else and I don't need a man. I don't 
you know, I'm comfortable in my job. I, you know, I'm married to my job or, you know, uh, my dog that I carry around everywhere is some, something that kind of brings me comfort and, you know, children are a factor, aren't a factor to me anymore. And the family structure is not important to me anymore. All of these things are the byproducts of the feminist movement. You know, to me, it started with the idea that the whole anything you can do, I can do better, you know, type of thing that, you know, women have championed. And I don't think men, I mean, at least from my from my perspective as a, you know, growing up through the years, I don't think men had a problem with women competing until it got to a point where women were saying, okay, well, I don't want to just compete. I want to dominate to a point where I don't need you at all. Like I'm, I want to, you know, we're, we're equals and I'm not only am I your equal, but I'm your better. And it's just not realistic. And so I think that, you know, women have been sold a bill of goods and, and I don't understand how women by and large don't see it because I don't hear an outcry from women from some of the things that are happening, especially, you know, now that this whole trans agenda has started to weave into it, where I think it's basically an, an, an idea to erase what a woman is altogether. And so how women have fallen for that, I'm, I'm, I'm clueless. So I don't know if that, you know, that's, that's a long, short version of how I can, you know, kind of voice my, my thoughts on it. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing a lot more men claiming to be feminist. And that's just flat out. It's weird. It's very weird. And they've done that. everything they can to, you know, men are men are bad, pushing men out of the conversation, telling men that they have no voice. And so it's kind of like a lot of other things we're seeing right now. It, it started out with being equal. So no one wants to say women's rights are bad. But right. it's very mixed up as to what is actually a woman's right. They've taken things like abortion, for example, into mm -hmm. that being a woman's right, which is very destructive to men. And it's actually mm -hmm. not a woman's right. It's not health care. It is a human right. And yeah. the life of someone else is a human. It, it has a human right. You see more outrage for people that do harm to animals than you do right. abortion. And they've just absolutely pushed men out of the conversation. So taking it from that perspective, I'd like to know um, your thoughts and conversations you've had with maybe guys that, you know, their girl have had uh, an abortion and did it, made that decision on their own. Have you gotten any feedback of, you know, maybe male friends that have said, you know, my girl had an abortion and they expressed their thoughts of it? Did they feel like they had a space to say um, they agreed or disagreed? And what, uh, you know, maybe even they've reached out for emotional support. Have you had any friends uh, bring up conversations like that with you? No, but I can speak from my own experience. You know, so I, I had several years ago before, you know, before I was married, I, I was living in Atlanta at the time and I was in a relationship with a young lady and, you know, she came and said that she was pregnant. We were at the end of our relationship. I was kind of realizing that I really didn't want to be with her long term anymore. You know, after we had been together for several years. And she came and she told me she was pregnant. At first, I thought it was just an attempt for her to keep me in the relationship. Um, she really was pregnant. And so coming from the background that, you know, I come from, I just don't agree with abortion. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so, you know, that wasn't even a, a conversation of are we having an abortion? And I told her that. You know, I say, well, if, you know, if this baby comes to term, you know, I'm definitely going to step up and take care of it. You know, it's my responsibility. I said, but I have to figure out what happens between me and you in terms of being in a relationship, because I'm still not sure about that. But that's not the child's fault. Well, then she started talking about how she wanted to have an abortion. She didn't want to keep it if it didn't mean that she and I were, weren't going to be together. And I asked her not to do that. And eventually she ended up doing it anyway. You know, after I asked her, I asked her not to, you know, I said, please don't, I don't, don't do this. And, you know, finally, you know, she, she, she went ahead and did it. And I felt after that very angry. I was in, I was in my early twenties at this time and I was very angry. I had a lot of mixed of mixed emotions in terms of how I felt, 
you know, the potential buying, it was my first child, you know, for the most, for the most part. And I felt a way, you know, it, it bothered me that she would do that. I felt like she did it out of spite because she didn't consider my feelings. I didn't understand that whole process. I can look at it objectively now and think that, you know, she was taking a more vindictive approach and being selfish in terms of, you know, her reasoning behind it. But she felt empowered to do it because, you know, friends around her had had abortions. You know, I've had, you know, some of my guy friends have, you know, had abortions or paid for abortions. That's not been my, that hasn't been my experience because I haven't, you know, that's just not something I wanted to do. It didn't even cross my my mind. But think about how the feelings of men where this where this subject is concerned is not considered. It's not taken into account. You know, the the father is the afterthought. If he's going to be involved in a child's life, the only thing that they care about is can you pay child support? And if you can't, then we'll get the law involved and then we'll, you know, do all of these legal things. And so I think that from that perspective, the whole my body, my choice is um, it's a falsehood that, you know, it, it creates this sense of, you know, that that women who think that way, they can wield it to say, well, this is my body and you don't have any say. So even if you want to have the child, I'm telling you, I don't. To me, it's it's very unbalanced. Um, the father is the you know, the, the child ultimately is the is the real victim. Uh, when it comes down to it, but the way that the father's parent uh, uh, feelings are not considered, you know, as it, you know, this, this whole subject relates, it's very concerning to me. It's something that, you know, I live through personally. And so I know from my own experience, how, you know, this can affect a man. And I've, you know, when I hear, see these videos on social media that go viral, you know, there was a video a couple months ago of this guy. He was outside of abortion clinic with his girlfriend and he was begging her not to go in. And he was crying like, please don't do this. And the agony that I felt for him, you know, and she just was like, she didn't care. And, you know, the comments you see where people are like, well, it was her choice. It was her this. It was her that. And he, you know, and they don't take account into the suffering that he was obviously feel. I mean, it was it was palpable the suffering that he was, he was feeling during that, that exchange. And that stuff just is kind of gets brushed and swept under the rug because you're just the dad, you're the donor. We know we can't guarantee that you're even going to be in the kids' lives. And where abortion is concerned, as far as feminism, I, I say this, if it wasn't for child support, there'd be a lot of deadbeat moms out here, you know? So <laughs> that topic is, it's the number one arrow in the feminist quiver that they try to use. And, and I think it's, it's just tragic. Absolutely. And thank you so much for sharing, you know, your own experience with that. I'm sure that that's difficult. I'm sure that, you know, it's something that you live with. And I think that even the women who are kind of under this propaganda spell to say that like, it's your right, it's empowering to be in charge and be able to end life. It's very seldomly talked about the mm -hmm. mental state, you know, after the fact, even less talked about is how the men actually feel. So I definitely wanted to bring that into this conversation because- Oh yeah, there's no consideration for how. If you are a man that decides to express your feelings, then there's a whole nother, you know, peanut gallery that comes after you in that in that regard that you kind of get hushed and 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 kind of silenced in a certain in a different way. So it kind of comes at you in two angles. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why it's another emotion that men just tend to suck up and deal with. I want to go back to we had this outcry for um, mental health awareness. We had this outcry mm -hmm. for um, making essentially like safe space for men to express their feelings, um, which is really, in my opinion, not something that needs to be done publicly um, the way that I don't even think that women should do that all of the time. But it's a little bit more socially acceptable for a woman to get online and say, this is how I feel. This is what I'm going through if they're going to cry or whatever. That is a consequence mm -hmm. from 
not having a strong home, not having a strong relationship in the natural order. So men should be allowed to let their guard down and have these conversations with their wife. And when yeah. that got taken away, this is a consequence of those actions. And I think that men are suffering greatly from this movement mm -hmm. that they should, uh, just in my opinion, be fighting more for the men's rights of things. I don't care how unpopular it seems. I think the, the propaganda that we've all kind of like succumbed to is just that you're not allowed to. And I think that there's more people that agree with the nuclear home, with having men's rights than you've been led to believe. So that plays a big part into it as well. It's a shame. It's a big part. It's a big part of it. And it's the the double standard where mental health is concerned, where you want this, you know, all of these organizations and all of these people we talk about mental health, you know, anytime there's a quote unquote mass shooting, they talk about mental health. You know, anytime that there's some, you know, the mental health of kids, this is why we need to allow them to transition because of their mental health. You know, you don't know the mental health, that, you know, the toll it takes on a woman to have to worry about having to carry a child or, you know, raise a child on their own. So abortion is a good outlet. So because of their mental health and all of these things. But when it comes to a man that wants to express himself as it relates to how mental health has affected him because of decisions that people have made and taken away from him, you know, uh, the ability to, to choose, especially as something as near and dear as a child, something that you created along with somebody. And I, I'm speaking strictly for men who are concerned or have any inkling of being some sort of a family man. It's the most irresponsible thing. And it's, it really is low class. It's very low thinking for you know when when i hear people say that and it's it's a the, um it really speaks to their character when they can so freely talk about how like oh yeah you know how many abortions i paid for and, and it's like a notch on the belt it's absolute ignorance so you know there's a there's a group that i don't want to shots fired at them as well for having that mentality because they don't make it easier for the men who really want to be dads and, you know, have, you know, these desires to father children, you know, and, and then to have that choice taken away from them, that anguish, you know, that comes with that. And then to be told that it's not manly to talk about that or to have a conversation about that or just suck it up and you know, carry on. And, you know, men aren't supposed to do that. Listen, at the end of the day, we're human. Yes. Yes. We're men, you know, but we're human as well. We feel we hurt you know, we process, you know, our emotions differently. Some of us have a handle on them. Some of us don't, but we need to have space to, you know, let those emotions work themselves out because when we don't, I've, I've said for years, pressure bust pipes eventually. And when there's no space for an outlet for somebody to, you know, kind of get their feelings out and get something off their chest, especially for men, you know, that can take us to the, some of the worst case scenarios in a lot of situations in life. And it's, it's just not good. So I think that it's a double standard. You want us to talk about, you know, champion mental health, but that part of it, not so much. And I just, I can't, it, it really gets under my skin when I hear that, you know, when, when that type of commentary comes across as, you know, just don't talk about it. Or they try to diminish it to say, it's not you know you may feel a certain way but it's nothing compared to how a woman what a woman goes through it's almost like it's not a competition on who feels the worst about something you feel how you feel about it and it affects you the way it affects you and uh i think really it comes down to people just not having a grip on reality yeah well, that ties back to it's really not about equal rights. It's about su being superior. Right. And they don't yeah. want uh, they don't want a human aspect to it. And I mean, that really does tie into a transhumanism um, agenda. If they're, again, kind of just blurring the line so much between what is life? What is man? What is woman? If we lose those three basic principles, mm -hmm. what are we doing? What are we right. doing 
it's really scary. It's very concerning. And I, again, I just want to encourage any guys that are listening is that, you know, men are naturally intuitively meant to be the leaders. And so rather than yeah. just sitting back and saying, there's no space for us, be men amongst men and make, mm -hmm. and make change. You, I think that there's the, one of the biggest problems right now for the feminist movement and the anti-feminist movement is that it's mm -hmm. still women leading the charge to say, no, we don't want this. No, it's not right. Is that the, the movement started by a man to trick women. Mm -hmm. Now you have women who see through the propaganda pushing back. This is not a fight that women should be fighting alone. And I think the same thing for all of these other movements that we see going on. You have to, men have to step up and stop just putting it in the hands of women to be the emotional basket cases, screaming in protest, um, posting things online. Like it has to be a community of support and it really needs to be led by men. And I find that the anti-feminist movement, that that's a big problem. We need strong masculine men with great values that understand why this battle needs to be fought and won by men for women because that's the natural order of things i agree i agree 100 percent. and you know we, we've gotten to a place in society where we're so backwards that if a man if a man did try to take charge of that particular movement, he would immediately be vilified and castigated as, well, you're trying to come into a female spaces and do what men like this whole patriarchy, you know, we're down with, you know, we're not with the patriarchy and all of that stuff. And I'm like, you know what? The patriarchy, the the, the family structure is God's idea. And, and it just, it's, there's no way around it. And so when we, when we start to move away from that, you know, it's, it's, it's very, and this is this i don't want to go down a rabbit hole uh with this but if the family structure is god's idea then the enemy's desire is to break up that you know break up that structure and 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 you know bring division to it and he's done a great job of that over the last 60 plus 70 plus years we've seen all of these factors that have come in to break up the nuclear structure with feminism, with the government coming in, with, you know, the welfare system that, you know, the no man in the home in order to get assistance, you know, that whole breakup, you know, where it gave women an idea, well, I don't have to have a man in the house in order for me to run my home successfully with the help of the government, that is. But the man is not here to, to, to you know, make the decisions. I can do it on my own. But for a man to come full circle and say that, you know what, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm anti-feminism and I'm here to bring hope to women everywhere to say, you don't have to live like this. He would e immediately be shut down by, by women that would say, who are you to come into this space and tell us how we, you know, here's, you're just another man coming here telling us what to do and telling us what we can't do and try to take away our freedoms where they don't realize that they're cutting off their nose to spite their face in this whole entire this whole entire movement and every time i see something foolish or just unbelievable where feminism is concerned whether it's you know some dude who wants to start playing women's sports and start dominating them you know i'm like how are women allowing this to happen you know these you know i, I don't understand this like you know the linda carters back in the day they wouldn't have went for stuff like this you know, um, the Foxy Browns, you know, the, the, all these, these female roles that I remember from, you know, the sixties, the seventies and the eighties, you know, these were strong women and they were fine being strong in the presence of men who they knew were, you know, you know, obviously stronger than they were. And it was fine. It was, everybody was fine with it. And so you had this shift and now I'm looking like, well, how did these new kids, what, what is, what is happening with these new kids that this is the norm now, you know? So it's very unsettling to look at all of it, you know, to, to think of it. I, and I shake my head a lot, you know, when I, when I think of it, but I totally, to, to, to your point, it would, it, I don't think that be accepted. It's unsettling. And, you know, although uh, at the very least, 
men, if they're not going to take charge of the feminist, anti-feminist movement, we definitely have to dig in and be more involved. Definitely. I think, you know, there's room for room for counsel. There's room Absolutely. for meeting. There's room to plan essentially attack on this movement. So not everything that you do has to be public. You don't have to come out with a public statement and say, I am Kevin and I am here to fight the feminist movement because no, they're just going to, they're going to slay you. Um, but not everything has to be such an open battle. We don't have to be as crazy as these people. We could also just do better as um, providing an example of how we kind of should be living. What is the natural way of life? I think if we weren't so quiet on that aspect of things and being able to really use like our, even our social media following to not follow accounts that that publish trash like that just because we're looking for a content something to talk about sometimes it's better to disconnect from that kind of ideology and only be supportive of people who are promoting those things like homesteading um mm -hmm. being a wife being a mother being a man being a husband being strong being leaders being biblical i think that mm -hmm. who we follow in life um, also dictates that a lot. And by us supporting pages that are doing those things, their reach becomes more and can give people, now it's the opposing view. Can you believe that we are in a time where something that yeah. was so normal and natural in the way of life is now considered extremist and the opposing view? Isn't that wild? It's unbelievable. It's, um, and, and here's the thing, no man within his right mind wants to see women in in a certain position like every man who's comfortable in his own skin is also comfortable around women who you know we we want to see a woman of strength you know in certain degrees it's very admirable and so no man is really just trying to see women just on the bottom and you're a servant and you're this and that and the third and you know the andrew tate mentality of you know oh i you know my woman i view her as a servant like yeah, not, not, it's not that black and white, you know what I mean? Where, where, you know, again, a biblical relationship between husband and wife, that dynamic, we're serving one another in terms of that. Like I'm a servant to my wife at, at the, as the capacity of the head of our household, uh, you know, and my wife is a servant to me where she completes, you know, that circle and where we balance each other out. You know, I even, you know, go as far as to, to um, add in, you know, the whole Kevin Samuels doctrine, marriage is not 50-50, it's 100%, 100%. We both put 100% in. But when people are, when kids, uh, uh, teenagers are not seeing that in the home, they don't have anything to emulate. They don't have, they don't have anything to emulate, blueprint to draw from to So for me, I had a blueprint to draw on. My mother and father, are celebrating their 46th wedding anniversary in September. It was important for me to, you know, I've, I've watched my mom and dad navigate marriage all my adult life, all my life. My wife, my wife's uh, mom and dad, they'll be celebrating uh, 48 years of marriage this year. And I've, you know, we both come from backgrounds where we've seen successful marriage, we've seen successful relationships. And so because we've seen those things, we know how to emulate them. And I think that's the problem with the destruction of the family where these men have not seen, you know, um, I grew up, I had uncles that would tell me, you can't be a man until you see a man. And I grew up seeing men around me in leadership positions, uh, dictatorship positions, leadership positions. And I, I grew up seeing women play role of undergirding uh their husband you know the bible the bible describes a wife as suitable help you know these are these are women that are here to help their husbands in areas whatever that help looks like you know so when we don't see that structure we don't have anything to emulate and so what do we do we run to the easiest ways out you know we run to social media we look at social media influencers who have you know, failed relationships and marriages over and over again. And so we start to think that that's the norm. And so when somebody's, somebody's marriage is successful, it's 
you know, it's an anomaly. You know, it's like, oh, well, that's not the norm anymore. You know, so, you know, divorce being what it is and relationships and marriage breaking up. And then now kids, you know, young men have a mentality now where they don't even want to be married. You know, it's just, it's unbelievable how we've got away from that and the breakdown of our society where the family structure is concerned, how that has broken down simply because these uh, teenagers, kids, men have not stepped up to be men. They have not given their sons and daughters the type of man that they should be, the type of man that they should look for. Therefore, they're not in a relationships. These mothers, these uh, these young women, they don't know how to be moms. They definitely don't know how to be girlfriends, let alone a wife, you know, to prepare them for that next step. And it's just a cycle that continues to repeat to now you know, you have these studies showing that by 2030, 45% to 50% of women will be childless and single. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's absurd. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, our uh, our population is dwindling. Any increase in our population here in the United States is through, uh, I guess the word is like migration. And <laughs> right. that's that's concerning. That's concerning. And so now uh, it's it's almost people are being it's funny is that they you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Now you have the government saying, you know, basically they're going to start begging people to have kids, um, unfortunately, through the last event and through force bioweapon that mm -hmm. we're going to be looking at very much a society of people who are unable to even have a child if they wanted to on top of combating just the propaganda to not have a child. I mean, how beautiful would it have been if they said, for the greater good, stop aborting your children? What if that was a propaganda message? Yeah. Like, what would be the outcome, you know, for that? But uh, there is a consequence for every action, and our society is going to greatly suffer the consequences for everything that's been done, even without the most recent bioweapon injection you have a long time of birth control users which is mm -hmm. extremely toxic for the body um that is not talked about enough um even you mm -hmm. know i know you're a man so i hate to bring up tampons but even tampons are toxic and feminine hygiene products are toxic um for women and there's really just not a lot of good alternative for one that is not chemically based that's a real problem that is a mm -hmm. really, really big problem that is causing a just harm that's going to be irreversible. Before that, it was the HPV vaccine, which I think was actually um, a scam. I think HPV as a whole, the human papillomavirus was as a whole. I think that all of these viruses are actually created because in, in my eyes, from a biblical perspective, how the earth is not meant to destroy itself the earth is not meant to create sickness that doesn't just evolve out of thin air and i think that we're very very i'm just gonna be frank is stupid to believe that yeah. and so i think that you know germs and bacteria and things like that can obviously come from from things that are toxic but when we're talking about on a viral level the outcome is cancers that literally will cause people to be terminally ill um that we didn't have this so long ago i just did a really big deep dive into um really the development um and what was actually happening during the polio vaccine and <laughs> funny mm -hmm. enough and i don't know if you've ever heard this before but while they were developing while they were putting out the polio vaccine there was also um they were also in the works of creating a bioweapon to kill castro and mm -hmm. um they were using you know primatology and all of that i think we kind of briefly discovered that we both like medical history so yeah um, we did yeah <laughs> and so the the outcome of all of that and the AIDS and the HIV and stuff like that really contributes to a lot of the cancers that we have now, um, the childhood uh, vaccine schedule. It's just, just can't not be because of what we're doing to ourselves. It's not, yeah, it's not sustained for us. And I want to, I want to go back to something you mentioned. First of all, I like, I like how you, you phrased it, the bioweapon injection. <laughs> I picked up I picked up what you put down there. So, yeah, bravo for that. Um, but in terms of birth control, 
just just for me, when my wife and I got married, when you know she went she went on birth control because we we knew we wanted to have kids, but we didn't want to have them right away. And so she went on birth control. But as we you know as a as a few years went by, I started really having a problem with the effects that birth control was having on her, you know, the side effects that, you know, the way she would feel when she would take, you know, she would take it and was off. And, you know, she would tell me that, you know, it's, it's this. And, and so finally I told her, I said, you know what, I want you to stop taking these because I don't like the way they make you feel. I don't like what I see when you're on them. I just don't what they're doing to you. So that was when we made that decision. And, you know, she wasn't, she didn't fight me. I mean, I didn't have to ask her to be on birth control. She went on it. And I was, you know, I was happy to come off of it because, you know, being mindful of, you know, watching what it was doing to her. And I'm like, this is not, this is not right. You know, this is not, you know, the, these are, we're suppressing the body's natural desire this way. You know, uh, these these medical suppressors that we're in, in, in inducing into our bodies to su to suppress the natural order of why we were created. And so I finally, you know, I was happy to say, hey, stop, stop making this because I don't like I don't like how the mood it puts you in. I know if I don't like it, I know you definitely don't like it. So let's just not do it anymore. And immediately, you know, the mood swings, they were gone, you know, the demeanor, all of that stuff, it made a huge difference. And, you know, for me being responsible, and this is another big problem I have with abortion, my biggest beef, other than the fact that it's absolutely wrong, it's disgusting, but my beef with it is why do all roads lead to abortion where contraceptive is concerned? You know, there are all these other options out there, but Everything is, you know, it's always, well, you can have an, just have an abortion or don't do it at all. Choose better men to be intimate with, uh, use protection, condoms are still around, you know, people still use their, you know, IUDs. And I know all these things, people need to research and find out what is the concession that they're willing to make if they're not going to uh, abstain. You know, if, if you're not going to abstain, then why why does you know is it this this back pill magic bullet of you know no pun intended but i hate to use that turn of phrase but it's just that's always the issue to me and nobody is a big pro-choice advocate they can never tell me why abortion is the full stop like this every other alternative goes out the door we're not going to abstain you know, we're going to do this, but if we are, I know I can have an abortion. Well, what about these other, you know, uses, uh, these other contraceptives that are out, you know, the, the number of contraceptives that are out there, they're not even a thought, you know, guys, uh, I don't want to use a condom. Like what's wrong with you? Like you, I don't understand the mindset of people that, you know, this, it's just the, the, the fractured society that we're in that this is the mindset, the mentality of people who, you know, all this hookup culture where we just want to, you know, get them a, a morning after pill or whatever that is, plan B, whatever, whatever that is. I don't understand why abortion is the, the hill that everybody wants to die on, you know? So to me, and when you talk about putting things into our body that have these adverse effects on us, you know, i.e. birth control, i.e. bio weapon, you know, biomedical weapon injections. I like that. I'm going to use that just so you know. But when you put those things in, you know, and the effects that happen and nobody wants to talk about how the birth rate is in decline just because people made a choice to say yes to something time where nobody could go anywhere, do anything without wearing a mask or whatever you want to say. And now we have people that all of a sudden and and this isn't a conspiracy where records of you know record number of women are reporting well all of a sudden i'm having a miscarriage now you know i had a miscarriage and i don't know why well, some of us know why you know we we know, you know the the ones those of us who were smart enough to say no to it and you know we don't regret that decision that we said no to it 
you know, we kind of have an idea of where this is going. So I think you're spot on. I think that when you talk about, you know, doing a deep dive into, you know, how these these medical events have been have been handled in the past, how they've been managed, how the public's perception of them, you know, all of that stuff is important because, you know, don't pay attention to, to history like they say we're doomed to repeat. And I and a lot of these things, they want us to repeat these cycles because they want to see how much more successful it can be the next go round. And you can, you know, the listeners, I'm sure your listeners are are pretty much on topic and they're on target. They know what we're talking about and they can kind of, you know, kind of hone in on what we're saying and they get it. But to those that don't, I don't understand how you can't think objectively where this topic is concerned. A lot of excellent points made there, and I appreciate you sharing that. Out of all the things that you're seeing now, what is what you're most concerned about in the next, like, 36, 48 months? I think the most alarming thing that I don't think that, you know, we get enough conversation about. So my children are a big concern to me, and and... And in the public school system, I have a son that's in second grade. He's going to be going into third grade. And we're in the public school system here in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so it's a big concern to me. Uh, the state of our public school, and for this reason, my wife and I are heavily considering homeschooling our children. That is a big concern to me because I don't like what I'm seeing with this, this push against, you know, parental rights. You know, when you have a, a guy who has to come out and say, what did he say about no one is someone else's child? There's no such there's no such thing as someone else's child. Or, you know, I, I think that the tone of how we are handling our children or mishandling is very alarming to me. And the idea of releasing my children out into a public school system that ultimately wants to have more control over them than their mom or dad. These are some of the most alarming things to me within the next 36 to 48 months. And I feel like if we don't get the right leadership in charge that will come come in and crack down on a lot of stuff, we're going to be in a lot of in a lot of problems. Uh, so that's a big concern. And China, China is a big concern to me. <laughs> and I have a lot to say about what they do, uh, how they affect this country, and they're a threat that just really gets glossed over, that I really just, I can't, you know, I feel like when I say, and let me preface that by saying the Chinese government, uh, because, you know, I'm, the people in, the, in that country, they, there's some great people that live there. China, the Chinese government, they play too much. And eventually, you know, it's going to turn into something big. And I don't think our country is prepared, as prepared now as we used to be, which is why I think that they're taking the liberties that they are. China is, the Chinese government really emboldened. They're not afraid of President Biden by any means. They just don't respect him. And so in the next 36 to 48 months, if we don't have a change in leadership that can exert strength and, you know, bring respect back to this country, you know, where people think twice about trying, a, we're going to have some serious problems in this country. And those are the biggest concerns to me, you know, where our public school system goes and what happens, you know, if and when China tries to really get froggy and decide to jump, which I, I think that that's, I don't think we're far from that. I think that a lot of people are on the same page when it comes to schooling, especially public schooling, and are considering, uh, I know here in our area, we have several schools that are closing because enrollment is low. And that's going to tie back to the things we talked about is a population decline. And then also uh, people pulling their kids out of the public school system. And whether you go private or Christian school, or you right. choose to do homeschooling. Um, one thing is, is when we talk about the homeschooling movement, a counter argument from someone um, that I got was that we're supposed to stay there and fight. And I just mm -hmm. don't think that that's true completely because when it's your child that's faced with those things, like we're more concerned with saving 
our own children than right. doing what's right for like this greater good thing. I will say this is that summer is approaching and school is going to fall to the very bottom of a lot of people's list. And then next year it'll go back to the top. But I just want to encourage people like right now, you should be looking at what school board seats are going to be opening, um, what changes they're going to be implementing in next year's curriculum. Like you cannot let your foot off of the, uh, off of the gas when it comes to this. And then also, even if you take your children out of public, Public schooling for that reason, that should right. provide you the opportunity to have more time to actually do a deep dive, educate yourself and continue that fight. That is for the fight of the greater good that everybody likes to use. And yes, I use yeah. air quotes if this is audio only. That's one of those those phrases that have been implemented into our language that we kind of can't help but to use. But we have to use their verbiage against them and just keep mm -hmm. the focus on that language actually matters. So um, sharpen yourself, know the definitions of words. Absolutely. So that way when it's used out of context that you can kind of battle that. And then I also agree about, um, about China, but not just China alone, I think globally, we're looking at a lot of issues because of the lack of leadership. And I think the lack of leadership that we have now is a direct reflection in a lot of things that we see in our society as far as like men not having leadership. This is a yeah. feminist agenda. And it's meant for a reason because let's just say China does come in, I'm going to tell you, you're screaming, crying and pink hats are not going to fly with them. Yep. It's just simply not. And then right. we're really going to be screwed because we've emasculated our men. We've taken mm -hmm. them out of the place of leadership. And then once once something happens, who is going to fight? That's what you that's what everybody needs to put on the front, the forefront of their head is who has fought to get us where we are as a country, like all of the great things that are about mm. our country. And then it's men. And yeah. where we are now absolutely is because because women have left. Absolutely. And it's it's not a downplay on women, but listen, we have to face reality is that we should not be in charge of the situation. This needs to be men leading men where we need to go. And the women should follow yeah. and support again, going back to the natural structure of things. Did you have a comment on any of that? You started hearing parents that were telling these stories about their school is having these after school like trans programs. And they were doing it. A, a school board was sanctioning it. The principal was on board, but the parents didn't know about it. And they were bringing in consultants to, you know, kind of target kids, you know, based on what the teachers were saying or the school counselor was saying. So anyway, it was this whole thing. And my thought was, you know what? If these groups want to come in and have these after school programs, I'm fine with that on the condition that let's allow a church group to come in and have a prayer right next door to where they're having their trans class or whatever their trans identity, gender, safe space, after school program. Let's have, a, let's have some kids, you know, the Christian kids in school who want to, you know, let's just have a, let's have a prayer club that meets after school and we're going to use the room right next door and not going to bother you. We're just going to come in and do our thing. And I guarantee that those classes, those after-school programs would start to dissolve and fizzle out because I think that those prayer clubs would come in and, and, and it, would it would be a natural takeover of, of what's happening, a natural shift in the environment and the atmosphere to change the tone. I, I see a scenario where a lot of those kids that are in the after-school gender-affirming program would leave that and come over to the prayer club, the after-school prayer club, of and it just completely changes. And then when that happens, when you see that, I think that would shut down a lot of those programs from happening. You have a uh, drag queen story hour. Let's do it. The same time, we're going to book the library and do a prayer reading. We're going to do like some biblical, we'll do Bible, kids' Bible stories and do the same thing. And we'll see which one is more popular. We'll see which one, you know, overcomes in the long run. Because the thing is this we would expose the fact that they really don't want diversity, equity, and inclusion in those spaces. They don't want the diversity. They want us to tolerate them without them being tolerant of us, of what we want to do. It's a big part of, I did a podcast earlier this year, year on DEI. I unpacked why I think it's a scam. And 
the guy that who I interviewed, he's a he's an expert. I asked him to come on. He does training, DEI training classes, and he unpacked it. And he even said, listen, it's very one-sided. And for us as trainers who are trying to learn about this, it's very frustrating for us because certain groups get almost like there's a pecking order for who gets the attention, you know, on the DEI scale. And it's usually the LGBT program uh, people first, the alphabet people first, the trans people after that, then minorities and people of color. And he said, but religious ideas, mental disabilities, all of that stuff gets pushed aside and they need equal representation as well. And I said, I'm glad that you said religious police need to get equal representation because that doesn't happen when DEI is, you know, people start throwing that out in those circles. That's not even, it's almost looked down upon when it comes to, you know, equity and diversity and including something into anything. As soon as you say, well, my Christian values should be, have a voice here as well. And people don't want to hear that because Christian values usually means that you're against the LGBTQ stuff. It's likely that you're not, you won't go along with that. And we can't have that because these groups are why DEI is thriving. You know, uh, diversity hires and, you know, the, the, the need to, to kind of help minorities because they can't help themselves. These are why DEI programs thrive. And so if we can start pushing that stuff in, the religious beliefs say, hey, we need equal footing here. You know, either we all get equal footing or nobody gets equal footing and we put it, we put it on, you know, here and now. That's the way we start to push back on all of this stuff is like you said, we have to use their verbiage. We have to take their ideas and turn them back on themselves. And and when they're the 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 double standard and the hypocrisy of how they move within these these agendas and these ideas, when it starts to look them in the face, there's they don't have an argument that stands up to scrutiny, you know, to to kind of come against this stuff and it starts to fall apart itself. And so I think that there's a fight to be had within the school system against this stuff. And yes, you know, when it comes to the children, you know, every every good parent thinks about their child first. And and that's just the natural order of it. And so when I see things in my son's school that I'm like, I think that's questionable. I don't really like that. But, you know, immediately homeschool. Homeschool is what we think. And, you know, there are some good Christian and private and, you know, some good charter schools around here. But at the same time, I've seen two, I've seen some of those fall and start to open their doors to allow some of that stuff in that where they're not really that much different than the public schools. And so then you have homeschool is, is, you know, the number one alternative. And so you're right. We have to, we have to find ways. And I think that's the biggest problem in fighting against the culture is we don't realize that we have to turn their ideas back on them to shine a spotlight on them, to show that if we really can have a discussion about this, if you of any rat, which most of them aren't, they don't think critically, you know, they'll be able to see how foolish these ideas are and that they don't really, they don't really stand up. They don't hold up. And so I think that for me and my family right now is why we're kind of leaning more towards the homeschool part of it is because of what we're seeing. And I think it's also what you said, not enough parents will get involved on behalf of other kids. And is that a problem? Yeah, I think so. But at the same time, these parents are concerned about the preservation of their children first. And if it's okay, if I can go back and get somebody else's kid, or if I can have a conversation with another parent that thinks to be the same, the same that I do, then we join together. Now we're two parents that think the same. And then I'm sure we can find a third and a fourth and through conversation start having, you know, this network of people that we all think the same. We love our kids. We want to see our children do well. And so we just kind of go from there. So I think all of it comes through dialogue. We just have to start having the conversation to see what's out there and not being afraid to have the conversation. Well, right. It's the burning building, right? You're going to, you want to save your things, whether it's your children or whatever, you want to save those things first and then make the decision if you're running back to grab someone else. Um, I mean, that's human nature. That's tribalism. That's embedded on who we are. It's always the self-preservation. 
speaking of self-preservation, that's why you'll find the lack of people standing up is because we've seen the outcome when you say, hey, no, this is wrong. I don't, we shouldn't be doing this. And you try to make like a, a public service announcement that your life will literally be ruined. So the thing is that you, you have to be willing to risk um, losing everything in order to obtain something that might not even be a possible outcome. But I say this a lot is like, I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone. I'm not trying to be hateful towards anyone. I am a very loving person and my God teaches me that. It's also my job and it's part of a component experience. And part of my being is to be able to uh, express these things in a kind and loving manner and hopefully share the truth with someone that's maybe fallen under the spell of propaganda. It's my my job to speak out against evil and I'm just coming to bear the truth. Um, I don't mean for it to be offensive, but sometimes the truth is. Firstly, like, thank you so much for being here today. This conversation has been awesome and amazing. And I think that we've touched on a lot of these different components that have to do with the effects of the feminine feminist movement. Um, I want to give one one little snippet of something that I know that people might, might not be aware of is the um, diversity and inclusion training. There was actually a grant given. Um, all teachers or administrative for the school had to do was apply for this grant. And that means they got the money and then now they have to teach what's tied to that grant. So um, our mm. teachers are very much paper chasers, which sometimes is yeah. good if you're seeking a science grant, a reading grant, a mathematics grant, cool, but uh, <laughs> seeking seeking one under the alphabet umbrella. And if it wasn't for a Facebook post, I would have never known that that was happening at my child's school because so there Facebook was no- So Facebook is good for something. Right, exactly. If it wasn't for that group, I wouldn't have known. There was no um, communication from the school um, about it, the grant, the the diversity and inclusion training and things like that. So um, I just want to make people aware of that is that you can call your school and ask them what grants they've received. You can ask them what grants they've applied for. And, and dig a little bit. Don't be afraid to be nosy when it comes to your kids because you have every right. I wanted to, to wrap up with one final question for you, Kevin, if you're ready to wrap it up with me. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, awesome. If you had one minute to speak to the entire world, they were going to hear this one minute message from Kevin. What would you use that that minute to say? Tell us, give us your one minute perspective message to the world. Well, you know what? I would I would just tell people that love is the way to victory. And if we can find a way to love each other and be caring and be concerned for one another and stop to have dialogue, you know, I think one of the hardest things that Jesus will ever ask us to do is love people that we feel don't deserve it. And if we can, you know, come to a place in, in our lives and our own existence where we can just be kind to each other and love one another and hear the perspective of each other and just allow people the space to talk, I think we can accomplish so much in this society because Jesus is the answer for the world today. There's an old hymn that we used to sing in church. We still sing it. And I think that that's very true. And if we can begin to just love each other more, you know, we would we would start to see that. And 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 uh, I think that that would change a lot of the issues that we have within families, within our communities, within our cities, you know, within our states, and ultimately within our governments. If we can just you know just begin to love each other and have respect towards one another in that regard. I think that it would it would take us much, much further than we can possibly imagine. That was awesome. Thank you so much for such a positive message. And see, uh, you know, you can say things that lead people to the word of God without saying, repent now, they're yeah, right, exactly. on fire. <laughs> um, you know, that's a very that's a very elegant way to do it, to bring people to an understanding. And uh, I would say that if you don't have a relationship with the most amazing father, um, that mm -hmm. I do pray that you seek him. And Absolutely. if you're if you're curious about that at all, you're welcome to reach out to myself or to Kevin and we'll point you in the right Please direction. Do. If you're not, if you're not, uh, if you're being a little shy and you don't want to reach out, I would start with looking up the definition of love and a 
biblical perspective and you yes. will see all the great things that it has to offer to not only you, but your family and the society around you. Thanks again for being here, Kevin. Katie, thank you so much for having me. Shout out to the Louisiana Sister Squad. I'm so happy that we were able to collab. This really was a great discussion and I knew uh, it was going to be good. So I was excited and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad we did this and I look forward to us uh, having a conversation again. Before you go, hit follow and share with a friend. Wake up to a new episode of Louisiana Sister Squad podcast every Tuesday.